Thanks for listening to this episode of Unpacking Mental Health. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do this by clicking the Buy Me A Coffee link in the show notes. And this is a $5 donation, which will keep the podcast ad-free and go towards covering the expenses. And I would love, love, love if you could give my Instagram and Facebook a follow and I will update you with the next podcast. So have a great day and I hope you enjoy. Today on Unpacking Mental Health, I'm talking with Sarah Cameron. Sarah will be talking with me about her experience with postnatal depression and also how her time as a personal trainer has shaped her thoughts around the role of fitness in balancing mental health. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you for having me on. It's an absolute pleasure. All right, shall we jump in then? Do you want to talk to me about your experience with postnatal depression? Yeah, sure. Um, I guess, I, you know, in order to explain it, I kind of have to start from the beginning. I, I think for most of my life, I've grown up as a pretty perpetually happy, vibrant, you know, energetic person. Mm-hmm. And so work that I had done in other fields, so in personal training and other things, I, I kind of was able to use some skills and techniques to kind of bounce out of it pretty quickly. Okay. So it was sort of like a brush, yep. if that makes sense. Like I, I picked up on it. It, it felt, whereas second time round, so having my daughter second time round, it hit me like a sled. Oh, like right. I literally, it was, um, it was almost like I didn't see or feel it coming. And we went from having an amazing birth, an incredible experience, like probably one of the highlights of my life, to having an immense low, like a real um, depth of just, I I didn't even know that I was in it, if that makes sense. Like I couldn't. um, And I think because of my career as well of always being that person as a personal trainer you know you come in as this vibrant person no matter what's going on in your world yeah. right like you're you the know, cheerleader the, correct like yeah. and it wasn't it you know it was my job to show up in in that way and so to everyone out in my outside world that's how I still did it like you know you know drama 101 face would come on the moment I walked out the door and I would crumble when I came in so that got harder and harder to do whilst mm-hmm. I was out so okay. I just retreated yeah. and so I think for even a lot of the people like I trained I continued personal training during that stage with my daughter on me you know okay. um, front front pack because she literally was attached to me for well still is to a degree but anyway <laughs> um that's a whole nother story so I think you know during that stage a lot of people didn't realize even some of the people that were closest to me didn't right. realize I barely realized right like yeah. I just I didn't know what it was I was you know like I struggled to get up I you know like I just couldn't even kind of do normal function of day okay. you know eating became a struggle like yeah. everything across the board yeah um yeah so feelings of general I guess everything's difficult to manage. Yeah, I, I just, I was busy functioning. Okay. Like, you know, even doing the normal, like, I, I think having an older child um, was good because it kind of forced me to do some mm. of the, the consistency of, of life. Yeah. However, you know, other than that, like, I, you know, I was just getting by and my health had really taken a, a big slide at that same point as well. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So where did you go for support in that time? Huh? So, it, interestingly, I, I didn't really. Okay. I think because of the fact that I, I didn't really know um, my partner although he was incredibly supportive, he didn't really know what I was going through either, right? right? And to the outside world, nobody else really saw it. And so I think, 
during that time and that stage, um, I, st- I started going a lot more inward. And I think that's probably how a lot of my, the next part of my journey happened. Mm-hmm. I, I, le- you know, I really reached for, you know, what was, what was my truth inside and, and kind of utilized, um, you know, whether it was, I guess it's kind of started my spiritual journey as well, like into, you know, tapping into my potential and, you so I found a network marketing business actually at that time, which they had the most amazing, positive, uplifting, inspirational. And I really kind of just, you know, went into a state of osmosis. Like the more that I could learn and be around these positive people, mm-hmm. the more it kind of allowed me to lift myself up. Okay. So uh, even though I I did see a few health professionals within that stage because it got I think it was more around the sleep. Right. Um, Doctors? And more like sleep consultants and and parenting consultants. And, and, but through that, I actually found it perpetuated my problem at at that current time um, because I went about sleep, but it actually wasn't the sleep that was the problem, if that makes sense. Mm, And, you know, I was encouraged to just keep on doing things, how's I, how I was doing things, but I was struggling, right? It was like, here's my flag, like somebody come save me. Yeah, um, right. I need help. Yeah, but, and, and I think it's interesting actually talking about it because it's not something, you know. Oh, yeah. okay. Mm. Yeah. Yes, Um. but I think even through that, like it was such a, a cool thing to be able to know that within me I had the ability and the tools and techniques to be able to help support myself out of that and obviously with loving, caring people around me too. So I was, you know, grateful to that. Yeah. yeah. So how old was your daughter at this time when you were kind of making these changes? So that first year was pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Probably from about from about that four-month mark was where it got really heavy and then, and then I, th- I think really it was sort of four months of pretty – turbulent yeah and then after that I you know I think through the the skills that I was learning at, at about that eighth month eight month mark you know things were starting to to get a lot easier yeah um but so. because you'd already had a child mm-hmm. you kind of knew what was coming up mm. you know through each stage did you find it a lot different the second time than the first time yeah I think just the different kids like I I think I went into it thinking, I know how to do this. Like, yeah, you know, right. like this this stuff is this parenting gig. Like, we got this, yeah, right? right yeah. And and my, my son was four by that stage. So I felt like although he had been a very difficult sleeper, um, you know, we kind of had that mental expectation that they, this could also be um, the same, you yeah. know. And and for Elora, it was, it, it was great to start with. Like, we were like, oh, that's why people have children quite close together. Like, (laughs) they can do this, right? We've got this. And then hit that, like, I don't know, uh, sleep regression at that three, four-month mark and, like, you know, the wheels fell off. Yeah. Um, And I think that sleep, there's not enough um, importance, I think, around, you know, or, like, um, you know, understanding around the importance of sleep. Mm, yeah, people, it's like right? torture, right? It when literally that, is yeah. like torture. Like that's why they use it as a you form just of torture. Desperately um, want to take some time out and yeah. And I think you get so far into that that like she was a wake up every twenty to forty five minutes consistently, right? Like right. throughout the night that's hard. and. That in itself, you know, for a day or two, you can do it, right? Like, you know, we've all had, you know, a, a child that's unwell or a whatever, and you go, oh, I'm tired, but I can get through it, right? Yeah. But it was the cycle of that being month after month after month and physically also 
you know, being so she she was exceptionally attached to mm. me. Um, so that was you know like just that n- never being able to physically yeah. kind of step away to get that rest and recovery. Did you um, find that hard attaching back with her? Oh, I thought I would, to be fair, yeah. but no, like it was almost like there was this, so again, was I the one creating that or was she, you know, was she, um, we had actually had, so for her, I think maybe this, this is part of the thing that led to it. So, um, I just, after that three month mark, when I was pregnant with her, we lost, uh, um, her twin. And so I think that, you know, it's such an interesting one because you had, um, yeah, I think the, the the fact that we had this, you know, incredibly healthy, well child, you know, you've got this real sense of a blessing and a and then to have the I um you know, the the sense of loss on the other side of it, you know. Yeah. 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 Okay. And you'd, you did you know you were having twins from no, the start? No. No. So it was at that point because we had, you know, originally thought that we weren't going to get any um you know, kind of scans done, you know, I felt really confident in, in my birth the, the first time around. And um, so, no. And so, uh, yeah, it, that's a whole other story in itself. I want to go into too much. But I think that definitely played a role in, you know, the, the postnatal side of it mm-hmm. um, that I guess we hadn't because we had a healthy child, you know, going through the pregnancy and everything was still looking good. And, you know, like the, we didn't actually allow ourselves to grieve. Right, yeah. So I think a lot of that came out in that, you know, that, that other stage. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. And that's quite a, I mean, there's a lot of information about twins being very close emotionally and even when they're not together out in the world, right? So yes. that probably had some effect on your daughter as well. Maybe. Correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so the, you know, the stuff that we have um, worked through with her, you know, there's, there's evidence of that. Um, just even within her behaviour and um, and other things that, you know, we, we need to be aware of and supportive of, you know, for her too going through that journey. So, yeah. Hmm. Okay. Oh, that's that's rough. So you, how did you then get from, I guess, that sleepless first yeah. six months to how old is your daughter now? She's three, almost four. Okay. And crazy to think. Yeah. Without any, you didn't do counselling or any of that no, kind of stuff? No, no, we didn't. I think, you know, again, I because I've always been in that health world, I know a lot of different practitioners within that, that space. And so, you know, it was a really a time, I think, especially with her birth. Her birth was so phenomenal and I feel like it was a real... Um, almost like a, a new embracing of my me as a woman, if, if that right. makes sense. Like yeah. it was this really empowering thing and it it was like I finally trusted myself after all my life of never really truly trusting myself. It was like this this real um, incredible energy to go, wow, well, the, the knowledge that I need to move me forward, I have that within me, right? Yeah. Like I have everything that I need within me. I've just got to learn to tap into it and listen more. And so I think that allowed me to find a journey for myself. I'm not saying that that's the, the thing that other people necessarily should do, but uh, um, for me and stepping through that, it was actually a really powerful experience as much as it was hard in in the stage that it was. And probably in hindsight, if we had had some direction around like 
um, you know, who to go to or, you know, if I had even realised that that's what it was at the time that it was, that would have probably allowed me to seek out the right people. Yeah, um, yeah. However, instead I, I kind of just looked at it as, okay, well, you know, I need to be able to move my body more. I need to, you know, be able to um, be gentler on my body or I need to fuel myself with the right nutrition or I need to rest more or I need to – and I think, you know, that then allowed me to – you know, whether it was breath work or whether it was, you know, finding other people to, to help me to manage the, you know, that fight or flight type system yeah. um, that Hard I was Hard to in. do when you're lacking sleep and you've got children and, yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. But then I think I started to realise the importance of that, that true self-care versus the, I guess, the self-care that we kind of automatically think of when mm. we, we, we picture self-care, I don't yeah. know, like hot bubble baths aren't bath, necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> and a smoothie. Um, <laughs> right, you know. And so that that true self-love and self-care to tap into what I needed was, you know, really important for me. And I think Mm. it's important to know that it's not always the same for everyone because we get, you know, told meditate and do yoga and go for bushwalks. But if you're not into bushwalks or yoga, don't just, you don't need to do it because that's the thing. I don't particularly enjoy yoga myself, but I love bushwalking and I prioritize that. Um, And I think you can get caught up in, trying to journal and meditate every day and shakti mat and do everything yes. and then it becomes like a another Job. whole set of tasks you know <laughs> to get through exactly like, oh and i think also be be okay with that changing too like hmm. what once served you as you know the best thing to look after yourself may be different when you're 20 versus when you're you know 30 or 40 or 60 or whatever like that and it's okay that that changes and that your needs change through those different stages of your life you know once you know as a form of um you know quite amazing therapy for me I would run like running was my way to zone out and it was often bush running like it was just my chance to be in nature and just go and these would be long two three hour runs and I loved it it was such a a way to be able to kind of set everything physically move my body so move that emotion through me and think as I was you know and it was so therapeutic whereas to do that now well I mean who has three hours in the day that they can put to running but you know (laughs) and there's a bit of build up for that as well (laughs) yeah 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 that would be slightly (laughs) challenging at the stage um for me um but but I think you know it finding other things that allow you to enjoy and again similarly you know yoga in the past I would have gone oh god who would want to do like how could I stay in that and I just don't really enjoy this whereas now as I'm learning to you know do things differently and my body is asking for different things and different ways to move and I'm enjoying whether it's dance whether it's like finding things that bring you joy Mm, um and like a bushwalk yeah and I think that's so important yeah. For people to know and understand that no two journeys are going to look the same and no two forms of self-care are going to look the same either. Mm. Um, I think it's important with all of this self-care and mental health talk is that the it is a journey and everything's different all the time. So comparison, you know, it doesn't work and you can't just tick off tick list to, to do and then you get to the end and you have good mental health. That's not how it works. It's like a progression right through yeah, life totally. so <laughs> there's and no answer book no and I think your triggers are then different as you go along as well like there might be something new I mean even you know the the 
the things that are going on in the world have you know added to people's potentially where they thought they were already really stable and then something new has been added and it's just that little bit of um, an extra to tip the balance Mm -hmm. um you know or rock that boat that they thought was stable and they've realized there's some holes yeah Um, yeah that happened for me this round of covid for sure like i had done a lot of work since the last lockdown and thought you know we're all hunky-dory and on track here and have a mental health blog and write yeah. things about it but you know I read books constantly but it definitely took me by surprise again and yeah it's just I don't think there's ever a reach the mountain top thing no. you know which is I tend to look at things as more of a in the past like the destination yeah. right but there isn't one, I don't think. <laughs> totally. What have you found has been your, um, I guess, best tool or technique? I think it, for me, anxiety is always kind of my cue that things are not going well, and that always starts with sleep. Mm-hmm. So I'll always notice that I'm going to bed later, and then I do the 2, 3 a.m. wake up and, you know, disrupted sleep yeah. ongoing. So that's the thing. Um, and I did go to the doctors for that in the end and have, ended up taking antidepressants for that which is the second time I've done that and it's been absolutely wonderful so it's not a lifelong answer but it's definitely the quick um, reprieve that you know when you're starting to get quite agitated about everything that it's like a nice easy. <laughs> yeah. I think it also helps to sometimes break that cycle. So mm. sometimes all you need is somebody to just press pause for a second yeah, to yeah. allow you to kind of reset and get back into As we know, sleep deprivation plays a massive role and, and you know, I guess allows you know sort of fall that down that hill if mm. the hill was the or the peak was yeah, the end yeah. journey. <laughs> it kind of rolls you back down for a bit, whereas I think – you know, oftentimes whatever form that looks like, so whether it's, you know, help with the sleep or help with levelling that emotion so you don't feel as much of that, like, you know, state of... Peaks and troughs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just to give you that breath to go, okay, what do I need to get in place in order to support me? And then, like you said, it doesn't have to be forever. It can just be for a period of time. Um, Yeah, I think for me the biggest thing is that monkey mind talking you know that narrative all the time for me it can just get very overwhelming there's like it's a a non-stop chitter chatter party happening and there's no amount of journaling or meditation or anything that stops that so with the taking medication for that that absolutely just pauses that for me so it's like okay let's regroup we'll go back here and you know do the yeah systems work (laughs) and then carry on again so I've definitely, it's been three weeks, I think, and I'm already feeling a lot better. So sleep's come back and all that stuff. So, yeah, I think it's like a um, brain holiday. (laughs) (laughs) And then you get back into it and carry on afterwards. And so last time that you did this, you kind of wend yourself back off and then you were able to sustain, yeah. Four months, I think. I took them last time. Between four and six months, I think it was, so. Yeah, and I was probably ready earlier to stop taking them, but um, was definitely a good break. But interestingly, when I did wean myself off the Prozac, which yeah. I sort of took then and now, um, I noticed that narration come back mm-hmm. within a week. Like it, right. I just noticed it getting more and more as the medication wore off, and then right. it was just like phew, full chatter. Full, yeah. Okay. And so, do you notice that all the time? Have you always had yeah. that 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 chatter? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Just all the time. Doesn't yeah. doesn't stop. <laughs> well, that must be exhausting. Yeah, like, it in itself. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think it's okay if I do all the things, the exercise and whatever to manage it. But when things come, like, for some reason, the pandemic gets me. I don't even know why because I don't really care about it. I'm not, like, following media or any of that stuff. But that being told to stay at home and wear a mask and get a vaccine and all these things. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> I think for for so many people, because, uh, you know, I found myself during the during the pandemic um, and because research is always something that I've been passionate about, research about, you know, so, and, and that's on any topic, right? Yeah. Like I love diving deep into like understanding it, really understanding, yeah. you know, where the thought came from, where the, you know, so so for me that had has played a role during this lockdown especially. Mm-hmm. However, I was feeling this, this sense of heaviness and I noticed that most of the friends that I spoke to no matter what side of you know the (laughs) philosophy or you know belief system that they had there was that general sense of heaviness the collective energy of you know like the the current state of the world and I think that was the thing that I was picking up on too and I know definitely for my for my eldest boy he absolutely was picking up whether it was coming from me or whether it was again picking up on that kind of collective energy Mm. um, that was kind of being raised Radiated. And I, I think that's where, you know, I kind of cottoned on to like, oh, I'm going to have to be careful because I noticed that energy getting heavier and, you know, that same mm. sort of feeling that I have experienced, you know, obviously without the sleep deprivation though this time around. Um, but that, that real sense of heaviness and finding ways that I could pick that energy up and I could be in a different state of vibration, which then in turn I noticed within the family unit as well, that would help everyone else. So right. whether yeah. it's music or bouncing on a trampoline or, you know, rolling around or mm. laughter or, you know, finding ways to change that vibration. Everything is energy. Yeah. So why wouldn't we be able to emanate a different energy if we get ourselves into a, a different state. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, just being really aware, even, you know, on a daily basis of how do we do that just mm-hmm. in snippets um, to yeah. change to change that. So, I often wonder myself with that whole energy, mm-hmm. you know, vibe that the whole world's got going on, like how much that is affecting the collective because there's so much fear and yeah. whatever going on, you know. And, yeah, like you said, everyone I've spoken to is – not handled this lockdown as well as the last one everyone's a little bit sick of it and <laughs> just wants it to stop you know it's not funny anymore <laughs> like, yes, <okay>. yes. <laughs> no one's having a good time this, yeah this is not a holiday guys yeah. <laughs> um I think it, like there's got to be that polarity like you know if you look at the yin and the yang of life or the you know however you want to look at it you know, everything masculine feminine like there there is always two parts and I think the the pandemic you know it it's creating, uh, I, and it's going to be hard to kind of get my re- words around this, but it's almost like it, it creates the polarity for us to be able to step into our highest power. And I know that sounds kind of unusual, but I kind of look at it as a way that if we can take the negative component that we're feeling, then we have the opportunity because it's so heavy and dark and huge. It's massive. It's the biggest thing that, you know, in our lifetimes that we've ever experienced, Mm -hmm. right? And yet if we can, you know, utilize that negative energy to do the opposite of that, I I think it's a time of great opportunity in the other sense. Yeah, of of growth. Of of growth, of, um, you know, internal understanding of, you know, collective community, of, you know, all of these other things that they're the opposite and I guess the same goes with social media like there's been a real negative spin on you know the control and that what what is or isn't being allowed to be said or you know but that same 
control or coercion or whatever you want to call it on the media side can also be the opposite. Mm. It can also be a, an opportunity to, for education and voice and connection. And, you know, yeah. so I think, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's actually a really unique time. There's always a balance, right? It, it can't always be too heavy or too light on one side so we can so we have the opportunity if we want to you know not everyone's gonna do that I mean gosh I lived in a quite masculine state for most of my life until parenthood really where all of a sudden I I kind of realized that actually that only was going to take me so far you couldn't push and push and push and push Mm. you know like all of a sudden I was forced to do things differently yeah um and relate to that oh man (laughs) and that still comes with a a learning as my husband will say my uh you know my tendency of being goal-driven and focused and you know yeah um so I've had to to learn to to take a breath to collaborate to Mm. enjoy the moment to you know allow for expansion to you know all yeah. of that stuff that's that's a whole nother learning journey yeah. but isn't uh, cool? yeah. yeah absolutely so how have your years as a personal trainer shaped your view of your own body image and how do you approach healthy body image expectations with your clients mm, that is a good one and probably one of the topics that um has changed and adapted more through my life than I would have expected it to. So um, in high school, I actually was bulimic um, and I had a very negative self-body image. Um, Again, probably a similar pattern where that really hidden, private, you know, like nobody else on the outside, but it was... um, Nobody knew about it? Nobody knew about it. And I was in an all-girls school. And so, I mean, there was a few people that knew, obviously, um, but within that, it was was very hidden and, you know, it was was wrong. And, you know, it was this this internal secret that I lived with, you know, Um, and... But even through... So for people that mm. don't understand bulimia so much, what does that look like? So would you be... It, yeah, so it would be a, a form of binge and purge. So okay. it would be consuming food to make you feel better. You'd get that, uh, that high from, you know, having these things and then there would be the guilt and the shame and the and therefore the, the need to get that out of your body. Right, like high quantities of food. Yeah, high quantity. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, I mean, you know, a, a tub of ice cream would be, you know, like a, a very appropriate... Okay. Um, Con, you know, consumption, and I'm talking high school period, right? Yeah. So there was absolutely that side of it, and there was a lot of self doubt and you know stuff that went along with that, which you know is unusual considering I had an amazing upbringing and all the you know like I couldn't have more supportive parents mm. and open yeah. and understanding and great for communicate. You know, however, this was still going on, right? For, okay. for me, there was that internal, and they were aware of that at the time ebbs and flows and periods throughout it, right? So when certain things, you know, like my weight would fluctuate quite massively between being, you know, really heavy versus, you know, like as in, and I found, so for me, I found sport. I found sport as a way to be able to, um, one, compensate for the, for the, the need to eat, um, I then, so I, I loved the fact that movement made me feel great, right? And and so therefore that kind of, you know, helped with the trajectory of where I ended up going in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, through that process, so my, I went to the New Zealand Institute of Sport. So again, I ended up being around other people. During the stage, the bulimia would come and go. Okay. Right or yeah. the the need to control food, so it morphed. It wasn't always a, a state of um, 
you know, like as in that's what I did all the time, right? It would yeah. it would come and go in waves, Not right? Like a like daily would, practice. Correct. Kind of, yeah. So sometimes it would be. Sometimes it would be every single meal of the day. Sometimes it would be, you know, like you would consume lots or you would not consume at all or it would be using exercise as a form of um, control around what went in, you know, and uh, there was a real lack of understanding about why I was doing it or what it what it meant. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I kind of progressed through my journey, obviously, there would be those peaks and troughs became, you know, or the, the waves, I guess, and the, the times that that would happen were far more spread out. Okay. Right? So into adulthood. Into adulthood, yeah. So I ended up um, going and living in um, Colorado, so in the States, and um, was around long-distance runners. So obviously for somebody who already has a pretty warped sense of body, um, you know, being around long-distance runners that are at an elite level mm-hmm. is quite a big shock to the system. Right. Yeah. Right? So therefore I think that perpetuated something that was already there. Okay. Right? That wasn't the cause of it. It wasn't. It was already there, and therefore that became relative challenging um, within myself of self-perception and who I was. And um, and then I moved to Canada. And again, I, I worked in a gym. I worked with people. I was around Olympic and um, I, I worked with um, A-list actors and actresses. So therefore, like you're seeing bodies of, of a whole wide variety. So for most people, people, you would go, okay, well, that gives you a good perception that everyone's body is different, right? But I also lived in a world that was very based on um, your physical um, being, right? Like as in, you know, what you look like made a big difference, right? Like, uh, you know, would you train with a fat personal trainer, right? Like these were some of the narratives that went through my head as that. So although... I was able to study and understand how the body moves and the ways to motivate people. And, you know, um, as a as a guiding um, person, I could give the most amazing advice if only I took some of that on myself, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, um, so, <laughs> right, like we can, we can be the, the um, yeah, the, the best advocate for somebody else's problem, however, or yeah. like as in the best advice for somebody else's problem. Yeah. Uh, but listening to it ourselves is quite different. And yeah. so um, I think there had been this real up and down and, and it continued and well through my, um, you know, like sort of that young adult life. And then even as a, like I came back to New Zealand and um, worked as a personal trainer, opened a gym, like, you know, had that that experience of, again, more of that same thing, right? And so I was at my fittest, I guess, and from an outside perspective, healthiest. However, mentally, I was still struggling. I wouldn't wear shorts, right? Like I would not be seen in shorts or a skirt or a, like right. this, this was just not a possibility. And I was probably a good 20, 25 kilos lighter than I am right now. Because and you felt self-conscious. You totally. Been, right. Like just that warped sense of body. Like I look at photos now and I'm like, girl, you were rocking. I know. Uh, right? I and, to myself <laughs> too, like when you felt fat back then. Oh, and then like, and that perception of, yeah. And so yeah. I think, you know, it's been actually a really amazing kind of process to go through as much as it's been horrific but that sense of it wasn't even necessarily like an objectification from other people it was that self-objectifying right Mm -hmm. like it was very much an internal um, dialogue that I had and through that experience it has shaped me as a personal trainer obviously Um, when I got pregnant obviously the whole sense of body was completely again thrown out right mm-hmm. um, prior to that I was in a much healthier state you know, prior to getting pregnant and um, 
so therefore through that, obviously, some of that journey had already happened and it had been a long time since. It didn't mean that those feelings or thoughts didn't creep up, but my way of dealing with it was very different, right? Yeah. Like I had um, ways that would support my system, not punish my system. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So then being a mum, it was like, oh, this is a whole new ball game. And again, that changing body shape and, you know, like a, I didn't have the physique that I had prior to. And so therefore, you know, there was a lot of those older patterns that could have crept up at that point, but they didn't. And oh, so it was a really nice process to kind of like, I love my body now more than I ever have in my life. Mm-hmm. Even though if I was to look at it physically side by side, which one would, you know, like mm, there were... The there magazine were, pick. Right. <laughs> like society tells me the one that was 20 year old who had a fit body, but I was mentally quite unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think, you know, the my ability to train other people and realize signs in other people of um, harmful behavior is um, far more perceptive. And I think my understanding of where people are at, no matter what body shape, size, um, is, is a, you know, far more refined. Mm, that's um, awesome. And yeah, like perception of wherever they're at in their journey as well. Um, yeah. And you're happy to talk with people about that? Absolutely. Yeah. That. I think I think it's really important to have that be a far more open discussion because the only way to kind of then progress into movement that say they enjoy rather than doing it as a punishment because mm-hmm. I know I need to because I'm fat, whatever the, the narratives or the stories that we tell ourselves, right? Yeah. Instead, it becomes about loving your body and actually doing something. And that's where I think, you know, finding things like movement that make you feel joyous, yeah. then that that is what, you know, for you, my, walking in the bush, great. Like, do that thing and do more of that mm. thing. Great. Yeah. You feel good. Do it. Yeah. Right? Often yeah. if I get on a scale and I'm like, okay, recently I've might have picked yeah. a number less than what I am and I think okay I need to get there I need to run because that's how I lose weight but I hate running so I've kind of talked myself out of just going to do that punishing thing <laughs> to get to a number because for numbers sake for numbers and, sake yeah just do things I enjoy and that's definitely something I've been more mindful of this year for sure yes and I think I think it's being able to help to teach people that that actually the number on the scale doesn't matter it's how you feel and Mm. like vibrantly do you do you are you a picture of health right like health is definitely and that doesn't mean that there are there are not um uh, the BMI throws like that's a whole nother topic of conversation but um I think that can negatively impact so many people however we know, like, if, as an example for me myself, I've been injured and therefore haven't been able to move my body in the way that I would normally. And then motivation starts to go. And then, and I'm not living my most vibrant self at this current time. And I know that I need to make some adjustments in order to feel that vib- vibrancy yeah. again, right? And then yeah. that does not mean that I need to be a size six. That means that I need to feel vibrant, yeah. right? In myself, in health, fuel my body effectively to make me feel yeah. like I have the energy that I want to move my body again, right? Like, and does movement that... also has like a perpetual energy happening right so you kind of have to get started as hard as it can be when you're especially not when you're feeling when you're not feeling good correct and then it builds from there but you don't need to slaughter yourself and I and I think also you know there was a really good um kind of analysis um, I was listening to earlier today, actually, Paul Check, he, he talks about the four doctors. Internally, we all have four doctors, right? And if you only ever listened to those four doctors, then you would have a life of vitality, right? Okay. And the four doctors are um, diet, movement, 
Um, so as in what you felt, so the um, doctor of, what did he call it? He said the doctor of rest, the doctor of movement, the doctor of diet, and the doctor of um Oh, there's another one. Anyway, so he kind of, he talked about the concept of, you know, like being able to check it of um, happiness, of happiness. So, you know, like that first, that governing thing is, is that rest, right? Like how, what do we do to recover our systems to rest? And I think when you get um, in balance within those four doctors, right, what, how do we fuel it? And I do not mean diet by, you know, putting yourself on some crazy diet. I mean, what are you fueling your system with? What are you absorbing when you read or watch the news? Like, that all comes into that picture. What are you consuming, right? And therefore, you know, the you know the other side of that is, you know, what are you doing to bring yourself joy? What are you doing to, and I think, you know, knowing that we have the power within us to tap into that internal wisdom of those different things. And again, all of these things are, you know, like free or cheap or available, mm, really right? Available. It's not like, all about medication and following No, and I think and that's, where, yeah. that's where we watch, you know, if you're not looking after one of those four doctors or listening into one of those, then you'll notice dis-ease in your life, right? Mm. Whatever that may be. Um, and we've all had a picture of that, like you can't just can't put your finger on it. There's something going on in your system. You don't feel good, You whether that's health-related or not. Um, and usually it's because that balance within those four doctors is way out of skew. You're not getting enough sleep. You're have got too much stress in your life so therefore you're running on on energy but you're never getting that recovery like there's usually yeah. an imbalance yeah um and they kind of feed off on one and one another so if you're too stressed and busy then often you don't eat as well or you know it all kind of interlinks exactly. and then you feel bad about yourself so your happiness is not as good and yeah your movement is forced or you injure yourself correct yeah so there, yeah. I think there's always that kind of um and I think you know, it was a different way to hear it. And obviously it's 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 new looking at it in that way because I only heard it today. Mm. Um, but I think that that picture has always been there, right? You know, even when you and I first um, kind of, you know, met, we were at a well-being um, event, which was tapping into all of that. It was the mental health and well-being, but it's also what you eat and how you fuel yourself and how you move and how you breathe and how you rest. Mm. And, you know, all of those areas were being covered because mental health is such a massive issue you know, now more than ever, and yet we have an abundance of so many things at our fingertips to help support us with those things. And yet yeah. we don't, we're, it's almost like we have so much information that it's hard for us to do the simple things. Absolutely. We yeah. And so much pressure and so much, you know, we have technology and we have mm-hmm. all these systems we can use, but instead of giving us more time it's given us more things to fit into that time so we stress ourselves out even even more yeah exactly so in your opinion what is the role of fitness in balancing mental health yeah, I mean, I think obviously movement is, you know, as we talked about before, movement does play a huge role in creating the energy that you want moving forward. So moving um, negative energy through your body to be able to, you know, feel vibrant. Um, for every every movement that you do, obviously it's increasing how much blood is flowing through your body and therefore going into each and every cell, which then has an opportunity to regenerate. So you're turning over a lot more at the, essentially becoming younger I know it sounds silly but it but it turns over the cells a lot quicker you know the more that we're able to move and so therefore you know you'll notice that again like like you said um 
you know, that it starts as something that is hard to do when you don't have the energy, but as you do it, it actually creates the energy mm. that allows you to continue doing it more. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the big mo plays a big role as well. You know, once that momentum is rolling, it feels easy. You know, once you've, you know, run, you know, every, I don't know, like three times a week for a period of four weeks, all of a sudden, like running becomes way more joyous. It's mm. easier. Your body moves better. You, you know, um, and again, you know, when it comes to the um, the weight side of things, obviously, you know, it's not just about losing weight. When people go to the gym, you know, it, it's not about just losing weight, which is, I think, especially for females, is something that we so often have programmed that um, losing weight will make us be healthy or look better or what do you, like weight mm. is the, the big happy, major. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. I'll be happier when I'm a size X. Like, yeah. I'll be happier when the scale says X. When I Once I get to that hypothetical thing, and I, I think, you know, incorporating movement for health, rather than for a figurative number that one day is sitting way out there, mm. instead of actually, you know, being proud and appreciative of your body for the movements that it does every day, right? For the things that it can do, the more appreciative and the more that we allow ourselves to be in the moment and appreciate our bodies as they are, I think the more that you naturally can do and it becomes, you know, like as in, you know, a way of moving forward. So, yeah, movement, find movement that you love. You know, obviously, I'm in that gym space. However, um, that movement has changed. You know, you're finding things, whether it's, you know, a strength movement for sport or whether it's, you know, going to yoga or, I mean, I have had clients that I have worked with for a period of time and said, actually, you know what, this is not for you. You know, like I want them to move yeah. in a way that is joyous for them you can tell that they're not having a good time totally they do it as again a form of punishment i think my journey has allowed me to see that Mm -hmm. and so let's you know there are so many amazing practitioners here in new plymouth um that we can tap into so why wouldn't we have them explore if you're new to exercise you're looking at getting into movement as a way to be able to help your mental health then like start exploring a range of different things it won't necessarily be the first time that you're going to love it of course because it might be difficult or it might feel unusual or you might feel self-conscious or whatever but finding something that can kind of take you through that and be okay with it not being right for you as well Um, and be okay with, you know, even if you maybe start to do a trial week here or there or, you know, like just kind of start to go, actually, what do I enjoy doing? What what would I like to do more of? Mm. Um, I hadn't thought of that before, but when you just said about being self-conscious, I think the first yoga class I went to, I felt super self-conscious because you don't know what you're doing and you walk in and everyone else is, you know, <laughs> doing, totally doing crazy all the poses. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but even at the gym, there are people that I've never really thought about it that way, but friends who have said they've felt uncomfortable even stepping into a gym, like people might be watching them or yeah. judging them or I guess especially people who are quite overweight, who are yeah. not feeling confident and aren't wanting to be seen you know, yeah, whatever you're doing. Totally. But, so that, how would people overcome that kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, I think, I think part of it is also realizing, I, I've had a few clients that, you know, that's been a major issue for them. Like stepping into a gym, one, seeing a mirror in front of them and having to see themselves for the first time. Yeah. Um, but two, also thinking that everyone else is watching them mm-hmm. and judging them. Whereas if you actually, like I've had a few clients that have, you know, we've stopped and we've literally gone, look around, is 
Is anyone bothered about what anyone else? <laughs> yeah. We're so consumed yeah. with our own world anyway. Yeah. Nobody cares. Everyone's listening Everyone, to the Unpacking Mental Health podcast. Of course <laughs> they are. Exactly. And I, I, you know, I, I just, you know, it was a really cool thing to watch that that moment for her to go. Oh yeah, right. They haven't even noticed that we've stopped and we're looking around because everyone's too busy doing their own thing. Yeah. Right. So I think. Yes, that's where having a trainer or having somebody to help you through it. So one, you know you're doing the things that are going to be best and most supportive for your body. I think a coach on any, whatever topic it is, if it's an area that you're new to, then, you know, get some professional guidance if you can or somebody who knows more than you do to help you on that journey, whether it's a friend, doesn't, you know, it doesn't actually matter that part of it as much, but having accountability and support is Huge. Yeah, I think it's definitely Huge. important to have a trainer, especially if you're going to a gym and doing weights and things, so you don't Huge. hurt yourself, <laughs> and mm-hmm. you get to know how to use machines. I don't. I wouldn't recommend anyone just go in and start throwing you know, doing a things. full workout on their own. Um, no, I mean, I yeah. think it, it. I would. I agree. Yeah, um, and it also gives you the confidence if you know that you've been given a program from a trainer or from you know like somebody who knows what they're doing that's supportive for your body yeah. and they've looked at your form and your technique and yeah. and you can confidently go in. So that will help. Like naturally it's flexing that confidence muscle in itself because you go yeah. in going, yeah, I know what I'm doing. Like yeah. I know which what this machine does and I don't have to kind of work it out. <laughs> yeah. Like, and then, you're not exacerbating injuries or, correct. you know, you actually get to, and then you also spend time doing the movement that's going to be most supportive for you getting the results that you want to get, whether that's, you know, cardiovascularly or strength or recovery from an injury or, you know, you're going to maximize time and, you know, obviously, you know, we want to do more of that, right, to to make the most of the time that we're spending. You may not need a personal trainer forever or for often, but definitely to get started, I think, is a good idea. And even just checking in for new plans and things to keep it exciting because, you know, doing the same thing. I mean, I do the same thing, even, you know, despite having studied for how many years and been a personal trainer since I was 16, you know, like, like literally, I feel like I've always had that kind of gym space but I still pay for a trainer yeah I still go to a trainer especially when I need um, a a shift or accountability or um, a different way of and you know I learn in a different way when somebody else is and I train harder Mm. right like I train way more intensely when somebody else is telling me what to do than I do prescribing it for myself yeah it takes the thinking out right because you're just doing the actions it allows me to just step into my body and be there rather than thinking and you know kind of coming up with the next correct like (laughs) You know, let's let's make it easier on ourselves, right? Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. All right. Yes. So generally, exercise for mental health is a big plus, but we don't need to be pushing ourselves to extremes, right? So. Yeah, and I think it can go both ways. Like as I said in my start part of my my journey, obviously exercise can be used as a form of punishment too. Mm. So you know, if you're struggling with something like that, you know, reach out to to you know, um, somebody to be able to help support you on that journey. And I think, you know, that's where professionals, and I wish I had known that prior to going through that experience, having professionals that you could actually talk to, to say, here's where I'm at, like, and I can, you know, I can see the tendency that I'm doing. Um, 
as a like if you eat you exercise you you know you create this this um, negative relationship mm-hmm. um, but I think if you can use it as a form of um, the best thing you can do for your body um, knowing that it will give you more energy and vitality um, knowing that every system in your body as long as you're listening and you're giving yourself that recovery and repair as well um, which is just as important as the movement itself mm-hmm. um, that you know like if you find that balance then your mental health will massively, massively um, increase. Yeah. yeah. And if you're having trouble just getting started, yeah. like that very first, you know, I need to exercise but don't, don't feel like it or yeah. can't drag myself to do it, I guess the message is that the smallest bit of effort will start the momentum, right? Exactly. Yeah. One foot, like, a, you know, a journey of a thousand miles began with one yeah. step. One right? walk around the block. Or it, one... it, and again, I think that it was nice to see during that New Zealand lockdown, like how many people were just getting out and moving their bodies. Mm, walking the dog. <laughs> Poor dogs. Dog. Oh, yeah. Those dogs were loving it. Um, <laughs> but I think like just getting out and moving, like to play with your kids, to get them moving and teaching that from a really early age, that movement is fun it's not something to punish your body with but it's something to um, enjoy. enjoy you know fine yeah do things that move your body on a daily basis and whatever form feels good like turn up the music do some dancing whatever makes you feel good yeah. um, but start slow and you'll find that that momentum will continue yeah awesome all right well thank you so much for joining me thanks for having me it's been an absolute pleasure yeah it's really it's good i'm sure lots of people will benefit from from hearing your story thanks for listening to this episode of unpacking mental health if you'd like to support the podcast you can do this by clicking the buy me a coffee link in the show notes and this is a five dollar donation which will keep the podcast ad free and go towards covering the expenses And I would love, love, love if you could give my Instagram and Facebook a follow and I will update you with the next podcast. So have a great day and I hope you enjoy.